This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. You know, sometimes the best opportunities happen when you're not even looking for it. My friend Greg Buckley wasn't searching for a second location, but a gold mine fell on his lap for the taking. The business he purchased was run as a hobby without any records. Find out how and why Greg took on the second location 85 miles away from his first. Hey, do you want to accomplish more by starting now? Well, that's the motto of Repair Shop of Tomorrow, a Napa Auto Care exclusively endorsed vendor. RSOT will look at productivity, efficiencies, effective labor rate, and more, and how you can create net profit. Interested in Repair Shop of Tomorrow? I'm sure you are. Call 440-545-1230 for a free 20-minute no-obligation consultation. Or contact, even better, your servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Always honored to have my friend Greg Buckley on the podcast. Hello, morning, Greg. Good morning, Carm. It's a, an early morning coffee type uh, <laughs> show here today. Uh, I, I thought we we're going to, you know, uh, have some fun. It's always good to get up in the morning and uh, you know, just start talking, you and I. So, uh, in order to get Greg Buckley on the show, I have to meet his timeline. <laughs> And I'm fine with it because I get up at five every day. So, you know, here we are at eight o'clock in the morning, first or second cup of coffee, hanging out with Greg. Hey, a lot's going on in Greg's world. I'm sure many of you know that, you know, he took this great leap into a second story. He's just doing marvelous. We want to hear about that. I got to ask you something. You did a video rant a couple of years ago, I think, on these car insurance programs. You have something like 80,000 views on um, Car Shield, I think it was. I had a really irritating situation with uh, two or three vehicles that had come in. And, you know, ironically, they were all from underwritten by CarShield. And the individuals who, you know, I mean, don't know what their full economic situation is. But, I mean, CarShield refused to do anything. If they didn't just flat out refuse the, uh, the repair, they were making the clients claw through all of the junk to get to the bottom line. And then they would decide... If they were going to cover it. So you would have the customer was liable for, oh, I don't know, thousands and thousands of dollars of due diligence in a sense. And then they would decide if it was going to be covered. So it was a very, very bad situation. So I, I think it was like a year ago or a year and a half, maybe I made that video because I was just so PO'd about everything. And yeah, and it's like off the charts. I mean, is it designed to have breakage? There's so much pain to climb the ladders to get the money that you almost give up. I'm irritated because of the marketing underneath it. You know, CarShield has high profile individuals that are uh, promoting the product from TV uh, actors, musicians, sportscasters, and even recently here in the local market, a regular uh, Philadelphia Philly. It's a shame because it's a scamish type situation. People who buy into it are really unprepared to read the fine print and they're looking for easy ways out. They're trying to fix a car that can't be fixed or they can't afford to fix it. So the thing is they feel that, well, if CarShield's gonna pay for everything, which they claim to do, then I'll buy the program and then I'll get my car fixed because they're gonna pay for it all. It doesn't work that way. Unfortunately, they're not the most savvy consumers. The economic demographics that you know, CarShield preys on are woefully short in awareness. So, you know, they, they get hook, line, and sinker. It just pees me off. <laughs> um, you know, I'm trying to be PC, but once I get rolling, who, who knows? But, um, <laughs> you all know that. So, 
it just got to the best of me. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to go out and do this video. Over this past three weeks, and you talk about studying marketing and studying a metric and looking at what's going on in the economy. This is no joke. So I measure, you know, the views, the counts, the, the minutes that are running on those videos because in all fairness, I run ads on it and I get paid by Google. So, you know, I mean, it's a little bit of a income stream, not much, but it's just fun money. So anyway, I'm looking and all of a sudden I am getting comment after comment. after Like the video is just going completely viral. And it's at the time of the year when people are out looking for either used cars or relief or the economy may not be healthy. And I was listening to your ARN network folks and all the guests like we just talked about. And I'm parlaying all this. I'm going, okay, we've got some, we've got some synchronicity here. We've got some things to look at. And I'm like, okay, this makes sense because like I said, I'm getting a, a much more higher volume of views on that particular video. And it's the time of year when people are looking for a different car, you know, they're looking for options and they're investigating and doing their, you know, their homework. All of that is just like pretty crazy. You know what I mean? One of the episodes that recently came out, please listen to it, 778. It's called Preparing for the Next Five Years. We had five coaches on and it was just kind of an open forum discussion on, uh, hey, things have been great. You know, we're booked out two or three weeks and the prevailing winds don't necessarily say it, especially from these coaches. What did we learn from COVID? We need to have some money set aside. If after the election, the midterms, uh, gas prices go up, which so many people are saying it's going to happen, we get into the holiday, money gets tight. We could feel for the first time in a few years a little stress on the business. What have you learned? What are you doing about it? And that's why I pulled this team together. And and you, to your point about buying insurance policies to save me big bucks down the road, boy, it's 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 got to be alluring. With everything else going on, I look at it as an indicator of what we could be facing. It's a could be maybe. It's a could be maybe, but it's something that was just really that struck out to me. And having the experience and, you know, the ups and downs, the times of years, the, you know, the, all that stuff. I just thought, you know, wow, what a hell of a parallel. So the message really, which is what I do in advancing the aftermarket, is to put stuff out there that people will pay attention to. It may not affect them today, tomorrow, but when you're doing think, and I know you do it every day on your business, you know, how we doing here, what's going on here, you're always litmus testing all the areas of your responsibility of the business. When you get information like this and you put it in the stack of things you need to pay attention to, oh, this is going on, what about this, this, and that, I think you could make much more powerful decisions. Not so much at this new location, but at our original location, and I got to get used to saying that. How about location two? Location two, location one. I know. I'm down here. I'm going, well, you know, my shop up north. And then we mean my north. Is that Pennsylvania? Okay. Above the canal. Like, you know, that's what it is down here. The thing is, is that up north, the first shop, that kind of information could relate a little bit deeper because we do work with, you know, CarMax and, and all that. And so, you know, our third party warranty volume is healthy and it's not for everybody. And we've learned to, profit off of it, even though, you know, there's so many restrictions. But when you get into things like CarShield, you start to see, well, one, don't work with CarShield. That's, we've stopped altogether. But there's other warranties out there that may parallel, you know, what CarShield's doing to a degree where they have a lot of restrictions. But overall, it just gives you an indication of what 
that demographic or that market is bringing. I was thinking, you know, when I got up this morning, he says, hey, I'm going to hang out with Greg. He's so excited about shop number two. I think this almost came into your lap as almost like a gift from the Lord. And and you followed up, you followed through, you're in it. You're doing incredible volume in a couple of months. And when I'm starting to hear this from Greg, I'm thinking the anatomy of a deal, the anatomy of a branch two, someone who was thinking about it and then all of a sudden did. And then I can't imagine. And I don't want to say the word stress is bad, Greg, but I want to say that all of a sudden you do this deal, you they accept your offer and boom, you're here. And the opportunity is unfathomable that you keep telling me about. It's pretty crazy. And, and I, you know, I just realized I have an artificial bright spot right behind me. <laughs> it's, yeah. you know, it's, I'm, I'm in the, uh, I'm in the penthouse. Oh, this is cool. Wait, wait till everyone hears about this. Yes. The penthouse. <laughs> so, yeah. My wife and I decided to name it the penthouse. We were looking at so, so We call it the penthouse. We'll get into it, but it's a 2000 square foot three bedroom apartment above the shop and fully furnished. And we're in the middle of painting and redecorating and she's really into it. And I love her for it. She's doing, she's just so good at it. What a great way to convince the wife to take a second place is to give her the playhouse. This was her key point was that you're 84 miles away. You're not going to drive back and forth every day. And where are you going to live? And I said, well, it comes from an apartment. Okay. That's better. And she was serious, you know, and, and I, I agree, you know, it, it was one of the huge deciding factors, not so much on my end. Cause I, I'd make it work. I, I'd rent a house. I'd do something, but it makes my commute very short. <laughs> to me, 0.01% of shop owners would have an opportunity like this, but you're taking advantage of it. I'll tell you, you know, this story, I'm not the only one that goes through it, but, or has this kind of opportunity, but I cannot look at it any other way but a gift. I really can't. And, and, I, and I tell this and I proclaim it to anybody that really talks to me about it because I really wasn't looking for a second shop. I know that at some point maybe the kids would be doing something and, you know, I'm in the middle of renovating my house completely, renovating shop uh, number one with a parts manager, a new parts room. We have lifts scheduled. I mean, we had a whole ball up in the air. We had a lot of balls up in the air. And then this opportunity came by through a mutual friend of mine or ours, actually the shop owner who was here and us, we had a mutual friend. He lives down here. He lives no more than a quarter mile down the road at one of the developments and would bring his car here for service. You know, he got together and said, Hey, you know, there's guys I talk to you about and I take my car there. Well, they're not wanting to continue. They're, they're done. And uh, are you interested? And I go, okay. I mean, I'll look. You know, I really wasn't even familiar with the road. I wasn't familiar with the area. I mean, I knew the beach area. I knew Millsboro. I knew where the big picture, but I didn't know what was happening here locally or what the volume would be. So I go, okay. And then I did a half hour study and I went back to the boys and, and I go, you know, I said, there's something here. I'm really not sure, but I really think we need to look into this. I think that you know, there's an opportunity. I said, let's see what we can do. They all agreed. We set some goals. We go, well, what if we did this? What if we did that? All this. And I said, if we put it down and we set our minds to it, I'm not afraid to do anything with the team. Let's go. We can do this. The upside was much too easy, much too good to say no to. You had to figure it out. I had to figure it out. You're right. When I looked at some of the numbers and I go, well, geez, man, I think I could probably fall on my face and still meet the nut. It was not difficult. 
we continued and, and I looked around and I, you know, locally here in Delaware, the biggest thing in, in this part of the area is the growth. The growth is almost exceeding like what normal levels would be. And it's not even close to being saturated. Our state, the larger part of the state is here below in, in Sussex County. It's the widest area. It's a hundred plus miles wide, whereas Delaware is only so many, I think it's a hundred miles long, but the bottom half of the state is, you know, where the largest swaths of land are still available. So developers are coming down here by the droves and they're building these, you know, communities that are made for retirees, wealthy retirees. And this little piece of property is smack dab in the middle of it all. And I go, wow. All right. So I told the boys, I said, look, this is a deal. I took the Gretzky words. It's not where the puck is. It's where the puck's going to be. And we looked at it. You know, I said, okay, number one, I think we can do this. Number two, let's do some homework. I came down here and I actually worked for, I don't know, a total of maybe four or five days with the old owners. I I said, I want to run the counter because I went to them and this is important. I said, well, you know, I, I want to see your P&L, I, you know, taxes and, and all that. He'd give you a box of receipts? <laughs> oh, yeah, written on invisi- with invisible ink. You know, it was nuts. It's nuts. I looked at him, and it was a father and son team. I didn't know the complete story. I know more now than I do then. But on the surface, I said, well, let me see your numbers. I need to see your numbers. I need to see that, you know, what you're asking me to pay you that I can afford to bring in a team. You know, I said, I'm not going to work this by myself. You know, I just went into some business stuff. Well, the eyes got glossy and, and you know, the, it just went from there. They're, they're not savvy at all. But when he showed me the P&L and the P&L was really just a sales report out of Shopkey. And I go, is this all you got? He goes, well, this is for three years. And this was three years worth of sales. And he says, Mr. Greg, it only shows our credit cards and checks. I go, okay. And so in three years, this place was showing to do a little more than 600000 I said, wow, all right, let me think here. So I had to go up to him and I go, all right, look, I'm not here to judge you on how you run a business. I've been around long enough to know that guys do this, they do that. But tell me what you're taking. I said, I need to know because I got to bring in two texts right away. I got to see if my numbers are going to work. I got to do my projections, everything. Well, Mr. Craig, I take probably 150 and my dad, he'll probably take 150. I go, okay. <laughs> you know, you got a million dollar opportunity then is what you're thinking. Yeah. But I got to be able to show something because I went to them and this is where the deal part comes in. I went straight up to them and I go, you know what? I don't care if it's me or anybody else. And I don't care what you're looking for. There's nobody in this world that's going to give you what you want and have it financed. There's not a bank out there that's going to take this note. No, nothing. And I go, because you didn't show nothing. I said, you've completely wiped out your value. And I think Hunt on the last episode was just talking about that was, you know, the value of the business. You can do whatever you want and run your operations the way you want to. It's no, but when you want to sell out, if you got nothing to show, then you've lost it all. You know, there's, you didn't create any value. You've just completely obliterated. So what you took before taxes, great, but you're not getting any value on the backside. I went into him, you know, I said, look, I'll give you what you want. I've already known my number. I already know what's going on. I know what, you know, I broke it down and I go, man, even at his rate, I said, if I do 40,000 a month with bare techs, you know, just 
you know, me and somebody else. I said, I can make this nut. It's, you know, I'm thinking it's not that difficult. And in the meantime, things are lining up. I mean, it's as if I walk into one pair of shoes out and into another. I mean, it's just the whole thing is flowing like I've never had this happen before. It was meant to be. So everything was falling in place. So you're lining everything up. Yeah, we were like moving and grooving and everything was flowing well. I had everything lined up. The equipment that they had here was relatively new, like about a year and a half, I believe. The business has only been in existence for two and a half years. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm really confused here. You have a father and a son. They're doing 600, taking three, been there two and a half years and they want out. Help me understand why they wanted out. I kind of come to some conclusions and I've learned a lot. First off, the father was paying the son a ridiculous amount of money. And the son would literally close the doors at 12 o'clock in the afternoon or maybe one o'clock. And he would start to sell and do his own business online with eBay. He would flip cars, trailers, you name it, whatever he could flip, he would flip. That became his money. The business started to go downhill when customers were calling for work. They couldn't get in. They couldn't schedule. I mean, just a total deterioration of the business. The father would come in at noon and work till 10 o'clock at night on his classic cars. He had a big following for classic vets. So he would come in and that was his little stash. This place was just a hobby in a sense, but it was poorly ran, no consistency. You know, if the kid wanted to open up at 7.30 as he, as he said he would, maybe he'd get here at nine. Maybe he'd get here at 11. Maybe he would just close on a Friday and go home. Okay, so it was a mess. You fell into a great opportunity. Who owns the building? I do. Perfect. How exciting. I was able to just put a lease together because he wanted to be out by July 1st. So I go, well, you're pushing the timelines here. I go, I'll rent until you're comfortable, but here's what I need you to do. I go, there's no bank that's going to finance this thing. And I don't care who it is, unless you find some sugar daddy that's going to come in and give you $800,000 straight up cash and run it as a repair shop, then you know, good for you. But other than that, you can't find any. You're, you're just overpriced everywhere, except for the value of the business and the value of what he did, which I don't think he recognized. But anyway, so I went to him and I went to the broker, you know, and I go, okay, here's the way this deal's got to work. And I told this to the guy, I go, look, I'll give you what you want, but we're going to do this a three-part deal. I'll give you four and a half for the real estate building property. And I'll give you 113 for your equipment. I'll give you 227 for goodwill. We're going to do a three-part deal here. I go, on the real estate, you're going to hold the mortgage for seven years until I balloon you out at 5%. And I go, with the equipment, I'm going to pay you cash for that. I'll just turn that over to a lease. Did that. For your goodwill, I said, that's 0% over seven years, and I'll balloon you out when the time comes. And that's renegotiable. So he goes, okay, I'll take it. I went to the settlement with like 40000 and done deal. I was going to ask, so thank you for telling me. I thought it would be very embarrassing for me to ask you, but you went to the settlement with 40K. Wow. Yeah, 40K. What a smart deal. It was. And really, it's a shame because this team, this gentleman and his son really lost what my projection, they've lost at least a half a million dollars in, in equity because they just didn't keep numbers and they weren't smart about it. And the dad came to me and he goes, you know, you stole this place. I go, no, I didn't steal it. I said, you know, you pretty much gave it away. I was going to say that. Yeah. I said, I'm just a guy that was here, you know, and as I've learned over the last four or five months, well, actually two months being here. And as I said, I worked for them. I had to come down and I literally took my time from the other shop to come down here. And I told him, I said, I'm going to work with you guys. I'm going to work the counter. 
I want to see what your client base is. I want to see what, what your operations are just because this is such a big move. I mean, you just don't get up and say, well, I'm going to move 84 miles away and open up a second shop and just don't do that in a sense. Not for a small one operations and you're going to go to number two. But logistically, you know, it's, it's not a grind to come down here. But this was shocking. The gentlemen, they kept no records, not one customer file, not one parts receipt. Literally, I was there and they were getting a load of tires in. And the young man presented a check to the vendor, and then he would grab the receipt and just tear it up and throw it in the trash. No recording, no nothing. All of the work orders that were being written up were in estimate stage only. When the estimates were done, the work order disappeared. There was no final invoice. So everything got wiped out. The only record they had was the customer. If they had their receipts, then that's the only proof that they had been here. And to date, I think we've had to correct 10 repairs on one poor workmanship. Secondly, it was just a matter of honoring a warranty and our parts houses were gracious enough to help out on a few of them where they would cover, you know, the labor of the part and stuff like that. But the customer had to do the legwork because I've got nothing to go on. Hey, Carm here. Just to let you know that Napa Auto Care was top rated in a national survey by consumers of car repair in the chains and independent repair shops category. Ratings were based on courtesy, timeliness, quality, price of repair, and percent of times the problem was fixed on the first visit. Napa Auto Care is the only banner program to make these ratings. Consumers are familiar with the Napa Auto Care brand, and you can benefit. Napa Auto Care has the largest network of independent professional shops in North America with over 17,000 locations. Your independent repair facility can join this network and be supported through Napa's national marketing through the already successful Know How for All campaign, which promotes auto care specific offerings. You also get support to promote your local repair facility with targeted media in local markets and in proven channels. You can also utilize a full calendar year of promotions with Napa Auto Care sales driver promotions that are 100% fully funded by Napa. And this includes free email marketing, digital and print point of sale materials. Also connect a national presence by co-branding your locally known brand with the nationally recognized Napa brand. Also partner with Napa Smart Sign to educate customers with engaging video that tell the why behind the needed repair or service. You can access editable digital menu boards, template builder tools, social media feeds, and integrations with other auto care program elements. Also offer a credit solution to customers with Napa Easy Pay Consumer Financing. Stay top of mind with your business name embossed on the credit card. Also have an online presence when consumers search for a local repair facility on Napa Online, which generates millions of views per month at no additional cost. Hey, if you're interested in partnering with Napa Auto Care and capitalizing on the Napa Know-How for All national marketing campaign, contact your salesperson or servicing Napa Auto Parts store. Tell me about your son and your son-in-law and Patty. I mean, obviously, Patty was on board when you kind of explained to her how you're going to run this place from down there, down there, up there, location two. But tell me about the family, the son and son-in-law. Were they all gun-ho, ready to go? Yeah, absolutely. Once we like realized what we could do and the parcel that it's on, I mean, a three-quarter acre property in the heart of a development boom is like insane. And we all looked at the potential. We had our goal of... All of us, let's get a residence down here. Just starting to 
put your goal sheets together. You know what I mean? What you want to do, how you want to do it. Did you know that the apartment existed upstairs? Yeah, I did. Oh, you did. Okay. That's where the son was living. Him and his wife and two daughters and three huge German shepherds. And it showed every bit of that when we got up here <laughs> to start cleaning and rehabbing it. But um, they were originally from York, York, PA. And the young man, his father-in-law is a very large elevator maintenance and operations business. They do large contracts nationally, internationally. And, and he's got a great future, not running the business, but he's a very personable young man, a very, he'd make a really good sales counter person as long as you got around all the other stuff, but a very personal guy, very friendly you would listen to him. It sounded like he loved the place. He just walked down to work, worked a few hours, played his trade and gone. See, that's playtime. He chased money. You know, that's the thing. He was chasing money. You know, unfortunately, the father, they both had that same mentality. It was disappointing because some of the comments being flown around while I was working, they were trying to showcase the fact that, and quote unquote, it's like taking candy from a baby. I just took such offense to that. Because, you know, you're a professional. You buy the deal, you go in with your little wallet full of cash, which wasn't a whole lot. I know how passionate you are for marketing. Your plans to get the world to know that this is a changed changed ownership, you're a sophisticated, you know, high-tech automotive repair place. Did you just come out of the chute? Did you stop, wait, paint, and clean, and do... Give me the timeline at just a day or weeks after you signed your name. Pure honesty, I didn't do a thing. I opened the doors, turned the key to the door, walked in, set my laptop, and started doing business. And the word got out that you guys were fair and honest and great peoples, and you were there, you were consistent. Well, that's the thing. We were consistent. Once people understood that there was, you know, the new guy in town and we started doing our work and we started taking in, we started saying yes, because we could say yes. I had found two great texts. So we started building volume right away, just out of basics, like answering the phone, answering emails, being there when you said you're going to be there, working until you say you're going to stop working. You know, so your hours, just low bar stuff. They didn't even come close to reaching, you know, just a small increase in your standards really started to get the ball rolling. And then I picked up two texts through one of the hiring services. God, it's our biggest problem today. How did that all happen? It just adds to the story how things were going in line. What I do is I just, I look and peruse the talent level and I go, I like that one. I think that one's going to be good. I go by feel a lot on candidates. So anyway, I put the ad out or I I mean, I, I write to two of them. And uh, well, more than that, but two came in, Steve Johnson from Del Mar, which is maybe a half hour from here. And the other young man, Matt Metternock, uh, was a tech out of Philadelphia. And so Steve, I interviewed down here. You know, he came to me and he goes, well, I've been out for about four months. I, I've had some life issues, uh, didn't like where I was and uh, some other stuff. I go, OK, well, I said, thanks for being fair. And, you know, he told me some of the things that were going on in his life. And I go, well, I appreciate your honesty. I said, here's my honesty. I said, I don't even know what the hell I'm going to be doing down here, but I'll guarantee you at least a year of what I'm going to be able to offer you. But other than that, I said, I don't know what I'm going to do. And, I, and that's literally the truth. I said, based upon what I see, we could be winging this thing. I'm going to be fair with you. I'm going to guarantee you that if you come on board, I'm going to take care of you. They believed in you. They believed in me. Yeah. And then um, Matt was the same way. Matt was moving down here because his parents are here. 
Now, Matt is six foot five, big boy, but what a bull. What? But they're both great techs, but Matt is just a motor you can't stop. You must have fell into a, an open timeline in the universe. I think I did. I swear. From day one, I mean, the first day, the three of us, we acted like we were, you know, bandmates for the last two or three years. And I'm like, holy smokes, this is this is too crazy. We continue to build on that. We've recently picked up a, a high school a student for oil changes and, and lube stuff. Now, you know, he's in school. I just I have an interview next week with uh, two other young men who can act as more full time. And then I have a lead which I could bring on board by mid-October on a very good veteran from the local uh, dealership groups around here. And, you know, not to be spiritual in any sense of the matter, but man, when you talk about a gift, the blessings of, of what's been going on, I feel very, very fortunate. I love his spiritual. I mean, come on. Yes, I, I think you have the right to say that. So many things kind of fell into place. I love what you said about hiring a uh, you know, high school person. And, you know, one of the things that uh, it was Chris Cotton, who one day came, did one of his shows in the network, and he talked about, we got to stop calling a C-Tech a C-Tech. We got to start calling them production apprentices. I mean, you're describing this high school kid coming in and doing oil change and tires. And that's the first thing I think of. What a great title to an individual who's on the ground floor, but learning production apprentice. Yeah. And this kid, Jake, we're also sky high on him. Um, you know, his parents live right across from one of the communities and, and, you know, from a marketing standpoint, but I don't want to say just marketing, but, you know, we donated a good chunk to their community's efforts for kids. Jake himself is 17 and a two-time cancer survivor. And because of that, he lost his hearing, not completely, but he's reduced. So I didn't learn that until his parents come in to um, put his employment papers in with me. He is so energetic and he's a, he, he can be a little, uh, uh, I want to say a little smart ass every once in a while, but a good way, in a good way. But um, the kid really wants to learn. He's here every day, very prompt, been really, really good. And I'm hoping that the next two other interviews I've got coming up next week, I feel that they'll be the same. You're at a point, and based on the volume that you're doing that you told me, that, uh, yeah, I guess you do need people. I do. And the way that I think, and I say I think, because I, I, these two young men came to me just within the last week or so. One of them is another uh, student for the college level programs at Dell Tech. The other one would like to have a full-time position. And so what I might do is hire the full-time. I need that Lube Tech during the day, Lube Tech tire guy. And then the two younger gentlemen, I can have alternate during the week one in on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, whatever the case might be. They may be alternating because I don't want them to interfere with their school. And, and then you've got all that other stuff that you got to work out. So, you know, I'll put a plan together. I'd rather have a lot of accessibility to labor. So I don't mind kind of like keeping people around me, you know, that I can pull in and pull out. The other gentleman who is a veteran and would really, really set this place, it would just take it to another level. He is interested. We have talked to him. I've talked to him personally. He's a very easygoing guy. I now know that I can meet his requirements pretty much uh, straightforward, and I would like to have him on board as well. Now I need production area. Isn't it interesting? Uh, Greg says I can meet his requirements, and I think that that's a kind of a, a very, something that 
we need to think about because it's not necessarily always what the business owner wants. It's a blending of the needs of the technician and what you could afford to pay, what he wants, what he needs to earn, what he's willing to contribute. You know, I don't know if your flat rate or your salary plus, I just don't know. It doesn't matter in this discussion. But today, tell me if I'm right or wrong. I think you would know that techs are a little bit more savvy. They realize that they have value to shop owners, that there's a shortage, and they're coming to interviews a whole lot smarter than ever before. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, you don't disrespect the talent. You know, I pride myself on paying well. I pay what I can. I pay well. I take care of them in more ways than one. I don't look at it like, how much am I going to make off of this person in a sense? I I don't want to people thinking that I I don't watch numbers that way. You're going to make money off their production. That's basically what you're doing. I mean, it's the net. Yeah, you are. And, you know, it depends on how you want to do that. And they're the ones, they know they're supplying the labor. So you can't disrespect them. I pay so that pressure is more on me to produce the opportunities for them to succeed. And they come with you. Today's workforce have so much pressure on them from every different angle that we as owners may not even recognize. You know, you've got bad habits that, you know, bad habits that they're trying to correct, life circumstances, debt, raising families, partnerships, marital situations, you know, and the pressures that come from all that. I don't want to put you in an environment that makes you work with more stress than what you need to have. I supply the equipment. I do the best I can to give the best. And I bought two major scan tools and platforms. And then we just picked up our brand new Hunter Hawkeye this week, you know, and they're already super excited. We're knocking out all that stuff. So I actually gave them a bonus for meeting the goals from last month. I had the whole team and they're happy. They're happy people. (laughs) And that's what I want. I want to stop and say something to your point about the struggles that, uh, Every person seems to be having did a little reading recently, Greg, on uh, debt that people are carrying and the, the enormous amount of it and the interest that they're paying on their on their credit card bill. But also paycheck to paycheck seems to be an issue. And if we're going to keep our people, we're going to hire some really, really good talent. We have to be so aware of that. So many are out there going out and getting Dave Ramsey classes for people that they discover we're paying them really well, but they can't seem to live in it. They always need more and more and more. It's like a bad, bad habit. That's great that you recognize that. Well, I think it's important because they they are there to help build your team. And I think that I'm pretty proud of the way we have a culture in our operation. It's not perfect. There are gaps. And I guess, as all multi-shop owners would tell you, and now that I'm newly christened as one, I don't have a lot of experience on either, of course, but I don't think it matters because you can definitely see that your presence, it might be needed at another location at a certain time, but you can't be there. So you really have to make sure that your substitutes are doing the best they can. What a perfect segue into my next question. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) You're so good at that. When are you going to leave this operation? I don't think I am. (laughs) You know, put the house on a trailer and bring it down. We just did a fantastic renovation. You're not even there to enjoy it. I'm not. I love your new backyard. Don't you have a pizza oven out there or something? Not yet, but um, next year I'll I'll have a kitchen out there. But the lifestyle down here is just so pleasant. Maybe because it's all new, but the type of people, we call it LSD. 
<laughs> and that's like, that acronym stands for Lower Slower Delaware. Oh, wow. So LSD. <laughs> Lower Slower Delaware. Damn, that's clever. The pace is different. One of the things that's very difficult for me is the first week of operations, actually the first two weeks, I could not get parts the way that I was used to getting parts. Like, you know, I've got 15 outlets all around me here. I've got two, three. I, well, they're all around. The problem is, is they're seven, eight miles away. Traffic and roads, you can't get them or they don't stock enough. I'm bringing these opportunities and the warehouses don't have what I need. The, the accessibility to these parts aren't there like I'm used to. And delivery times are once a day. I'm at the end of the cycle. So I'm like kicking and screaming and I'm calling up the managers and the, I'm going, hey, what do I got to do here? And at times I would even travel 60 miles one way to pick up parts that I wanted to get these jobs done. I had to respect the way things operate down here. And once I started to understand things a little bit better, I started creating better timelines. And so I would have to take those expectations back to the customer and say, listen, I'm a day in, day out kind of guy. You know, if you bring your car in, I, I'd love to have it back to you the next day. But here, there's a combination of, well, that's not really expected. And then secondly, they'll come to you and go, uh, you know, you can call me next week. And I'm like, okay, well, that's too much time for me. Because if you tell me next week, I'm pretty much probably going to forget about you until the day before you're supposed to get it back. That's very different. But outside of that, let's put it this way. The homes and the developments that are building around me, they start at 500000 and they cap out at about eight fifty. It is very affluent. So they got money. It's lower, slower Delaware. Their expectations aren't like you grew up in, in at eight and out at four. So you got time to get your parts. And it totally reminds me, and you could relate to this, but a lot of my younger audience can't relate to this. It's like you have to switch from listening to a 45 to a album <laughs> from 45 RPM to 33, Greg. 33, right. You got to get into the album mode or just bring it down a bit. What a great analogy. And I can't imagine you sweating, gun-hoeing, promising, all of a sudden the world around you can't keep up with Greg Buckley. And you can't get it to move. (laughs) Wait a minute. I am an influencer. I can make this happen. And now you can't. (laughs) Well, it's like smack in the face. (laughs) Shut up, Greg. You know, the first thing that I would do is I'd call the manager or the owner of the party store and says, we have to go to dinner or lunch and you need to hear my situation until they told you, Greg, you don't understand. Yeah. And actually that's exactly what took place. We didn't go to dinner with one company. I went to a baseball game and all the principals happened to be there. And uh, we had a great discussion on accessibility, where I can access parts from, what stores I can get them from and what deliveries could be expected. And uh, with the other one, it was a, a phone call. And we had a great discussion on product availability lines that they would be that I'm familiar with. And I learned a lot. And I learned that with everything else, they have issues with people and, and employees and you know hiring and, and all that. So their, their staffing issues would relate to a lot of uh, gaps. Secondly, I, I told them that you know quality is number one for me. I know the line codes that work and the ones that don't. And I found out that a lot of shops in this area just don't adhere to a quality parts repair, using quality parts. They would use the most inexpensive lines. Is it that they're looking to make a higher margin 
if the sophisticated consumer that's there, as you say, they're well-heeled, is willing to pay, listen, do it right the first time, use quality stuff, are we charging him retail price on a brand and then substituting? I mean, is it, what's going on? That's what was going on here prior. At least I think this is, and again, I'm two months into it, and it's not all shops, but most shops will think, when you talk about emotional discounting, not so much discounting per se, but that emotional uh, thought of looking at their budget, the customer's budget, and not wanting to spend money. They're selling from their own wallet. Yeah. I just met up with a great transmission rebuilder right around the corner from me who's going to do some repairs for us. We have a couple of clients with, with needs. He's a 35-year veteran out of Philadelphia. And that's what's funny thing is we're, I meet everybody from Philly on down, so it's good. Him and I were talking. His sentiments are the same. He says, a lot of shops here, I don't know how strong they are, and I'm not offering any kind of disrespect, but they'll sell the cheapest thing, figuring that that's what the client wants. They want the cheapest way out. And they're offering the cheapest parts, not to, like an example, I've never done so many brakes, rotors, and hubs in my entire life. Never, never, ever. And we're finding that there's a bunch of pad slapping going on. You know, rotors that have really been past their prime are still on the car. Hubs that are just screaming all over the place. We have a Lexus 470 in right now that completely overlooked because no one wants to take the time to make the repair. And this lady came in and says, you know, I just had it at this other shop the last uh, two weeks or three weeks ago, and they never told me any of this. So we're introducing the DVI solution, which nobody down here does, you know, and we are just completely blowing away the client base. They're sharing it. They're telling people about it. Uh, let me show you. Our ARO down here is close to $1,000 because we're that thorough now. The car volume, I think we hit 140 last week or so far. I don't, I don't know what it was. Anyway, the ARO is very strong. We're proving that the methods that most of the premier shops, that most of good shops do across your whole spectrum and everyone that we know proves that it works no matter what, even if you're into an entirely different market. And this is an entirely different market for me. You are probably their automotive service and repair savior, Greg. In a sense, yeah, that's a strong one, but they are finding out now what differentiate, differentiates us. Yeah, I get that. And the comparatives and the feeling and the, the experience they had, your marketing is being done by your customer. Yes. The only thing that I've done here is I put out a postcard with my friends at MailShark, and we got together and we put out a very common postcard welcoming you into visiting us. And it's just Patty and I on the cover and, hey, come see us. We're here. And that's all I've done. And it's the only thing I actually need to do. My web person, and she'll come up and she'll go, well, you know, we should run an ad campaign. I go, I don't need to run an ad campaign. I don't need that. It's all right here. It's just a very different situation. One that, uh, you know, like I said, very fortunate. And what a lost opportunity for another family that could have really taken this to heights. But you know what? You know, there's winners and losers and stuff like that. And the timing. You took the sophisticated way that businesses have to run today. They have to run as a business, not as a hobby. All the things you've ever learned, all the things you've ever taught, and and you brought it down. You were able to prove, Craig, that this stuff is the right stuff and it works, uh, how you treat people, how you build your customer. 
you almost like started from scratch. Well, it, it is. Yeah. In two months, you have to have three to four texts. We can all guess what the numbers are. It's not hard. This is truly for years, well, all my life, I've had to, I don't say live under my father's shadow, but I did not start the business. You know, I took it over and grew it. And this place, this is literally the first shop that I can say that I'm building, you know, personally, you know, my responsibility. It's funny because the last time I was home, I brought uh, Scott and Steve in and, uh, you know, I told him, I go, okay, boys, I said, this is your place now. I said, you're going to be responsible for your daily activities, the decisions you make. I'm going to grow this store down there. I said, yeah, this is it. I said, this is the next phase. It's not perfect. You know, working with um, the team at Elite, you know, and stuff where we're looking at things. <laughs> it's not perfect. It's definitely not. It's never going to be perfect. But it just felt like it's time to say, all right, man, you know, you got yours. I got mine. Let's see what we do together and have fun. You and I should do an episode on fathers and sons because I was an SOB son of boss too. And I had my chance to do it on my own at 31. And I won't forget it my entire life. What, what you think, you know, what you try to do on your, oh my God, do I have lessons? And, uh, and I was still a, a whole lot younger. If I did it in my fifties, I would have had less struggles, but I had to prove <laughs> I, I'm with you, man. I'm so with you. Yeah, but it's a joyful situation. It's not without, like, an example was this week when I, I was in a, I did have the opportunity to play some golf. Took a little break, met with um, a local golf course, Mulligans. Uh, you know, we, we had a little round. Um, and Scott comes down. I've not been able to explain to him what takes place here and the volume. And after yesterday, it just blew up. Everything was there. And, and our postcards were working. And he came off with a bunch of great sales. And I go, do you see what I'm talking about here? And he goes, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I told him, I said, and I meant this. I said, I'm so glad you're with me. I'm so glad because it does get stressful in the sense that, okay, I have to control this thing. And my methods are different than his. And we go back and forth and he subscribes to controlled chaos. And I subscribe to chaos you know, <laughs> so somewhere we meet in the middle, <laughs> Oh my! but uh, <laughs> that's great. He gets it. He's so good at it. I tell him all the time. He's so good. And we still argue, but he sees what we have here and it just makes him go back and say, now that's going to be his, it, this will be his and theirs. And it just makes him be that much better. And he is that much better. They are that much better. So he goes back with different attitudes and, just the, the fact that I have someone here to rely on like that, it's pretty huge. I got to get both of the boys in my studio, and I've got to say to Scott, Scott, when are you going to teach your dad what controlled chaos is? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would love that. That'd be great because this would be a part two because you interviewed them way back. Yeah, you're right. To the point, what's going on now, Second Branch, but what have you guys learned? Talk to me about the maturing as a business person and, and the partnership, and, and how is Greg really? <laughs> <laughs> He's always fighting and arguing, and, and I told him, I said, look, I know we fight, and I know we argue. I know we do all that, but I told him, I, I said, I miss you. I miss him. I miss not going to work with my son every day. 
your location one family. Yes. yes I'll give I, you all I, the right I, I, words I, here, okay? Thank you. Thank you. It does at times, it gets emotional. I bet you it does. Yeah. It's a pleasure when I could hug them and argue with them and fight with them and then you know, come back and go full circle. Working with my daughter, Tracy, who is my right-hand person, who is grooming and growing and doing such an incredible job and helping me build this network. There's nothing like bringing the child. She believed in you, so she makes the career move. And then, you know, you give her all the freedom that you can to watch her blossom. And frankly, there's a bunch of times I got to listen to her. You know, I'm an ideas person, Greg. I'm in controlled chaos. I get all that stuff. And I think Tracy brings a little bit of stability to that for me. And if not, I'd be firecrackering, you know, light the pack, see where they go, right? Exactly. That's exactly the way I am. And, and I'm learning that you can't, it, it's tough enough doing that now in, in one business, but with two businesses, you just can't have it. I know that I have to change the way that I do things and- you know, I'm not going to be permanently at the counter, but I think I'll be a permanent presence. And the goal is for me to split my time between here and home and keep this crew. Now, if there's to be a number three, that's on them. I think I'm capping out number two. That's really not a bad strategy, even though you're the one who's probably going to find that because you'll have the time to look. But you should personally say, hey, guys, I found an opportunity. It's your decision to make. So I'm going to kind of, you know, it's like you sit in the first pew, I'll sit in the second pew of the church. And you guys, right? Absolutely. You could look back and see if I'm shaking my head yes or no, but I'm going to explain my answers to you because you guys have to learn this. There's nothing like taking a huge step going to a second store because I've done I've got so much experience at growing and, and, and doing due diligence and looking at P&Ls and making deals and offers. I have to tell you, you learn something brand new each and every time. So, Dad, you got to be there to support him, but you also have to push him to be the point of the plow. You're so right. Yeah, and that's what I hope to do, you know, and then that'll give me time to be part of the ARN network at, at some point. And then, uh, Absolutely. You know, like, <laughs> oh, my God. Are you kidding me? You know how much I'd love that, and but now, but now he says he says forget about it. I'm growing my I'm growing my empire here. That we can talk about that next year. But you know, thank you for waking up early on a on a Saturday morning, having your cup of coffee with me, and and telling us this great story about uh, store two, and if you will, the divine intervention that uh, put you in to store two. It, it just sounds like every star was aligned for you. It definitely is and was, and there's a reason I'm here, and. Uh, I'm tired of asking why. I'm just here to, to do the best I can. Greg Buckley, Buckley's Auto Care, two locations now out in Delaware. Thank you so much for being here, my friend. Always, always a pleasure. I love these morning coffee chats. Thanks, man. Thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time. 